Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice. Fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 22nd. This is the week three, the key week upcoming for preseason football in 2018. My name's Michael Nazarek. I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web, of course, at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very experienced fantasy player and good friend, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Real well, real well. It's been a busy week, but I'm looking forward to talking about the tight end position today. I know I've got some unconventional picks in my list, so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing uh, whatever I think. I don't know if it's wisdom, but uh, sharing whatever I think with the listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're uh, anxious as much as I am. I'm uh, curious to see what kind of picks we have. This is uh, the tight end preview show. We're going to preview the top ten in PPR systems from uh, for, for the tight ends. But first, let's get right to the NFL news and notes. And the big one is Adrian Peterson is back in the league with the Washington Redskins. Uh, obviously, they've uh, experienced some injuries there at the running back position. Uh, Darius Geis, the rookie, is out for the year with a torn ACL. Sanjay Perrine sprained his ankle in the preseason game on his first carry last week. Uh, Rob Kelly uh, was the starter in that game. Uh, he's looked okay. Chris Thompson is still a mystery. Uh, they say he's not quite back 100% from his uh, broken leg, although he's been practicing limited fashion here and there. They're kind of keeping it mum on on how he's looking there. Even, uh, I believe, um, Byron, uh, I can't remember the guy's last name. Marshall. <laughs> Marshall. Um, Marshall. Byron Marshall. He's injured too. So they brought Adrian Peterson in. He signed a one-year rookie, uh, I'm sorry, rookie, one-year veteran minimum deal uh, so he's not guaranteed a roster spot, but surely he's going to make an impact, isn't he, Chris? What's What do you think is going to happen with Adrian Peterson in Washington? Um, an impact from a fantasy perspective? I honestly don't think so. And you're, and this is as a big Adrian Peterson fan. He's been one of my favorite running backs really? since Barry Sanders left the league. I just doubt he's going to make much of an impact. But to be honest, I wasn't that high on the Redskins running game, even with Darius Geis just because I, I had some questions about, about the line play and the offensive system, et cetera. So I'd be surprised if he has a huge impact. He may have a, a big game when motivated right off the back like he did when he moved to Arizona last year. But, I, I mean, if you want to take a chance on him late in your draft as, as a possibility, but I'd be surprised if he has a huge fantasy impact, especially if Chris Thompson comes back uh, near the start of the season. Yep. Well, we're going to get hopefully get to see Adrian a little bit this week. They're trying everything they can to get him ready to play. They said he reported uh, when he went to work out in fantastic shape. Of course, there's a difference between good shape and football shape. So if he learns the playbook, I'm sure they're going to throw him out there for some plays this week, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does. It's also going to be interesting to see when's if he the last uh, time, plays when's at the last all. Time Adrian, sorry, when's the last time Adrian Peterson played a preseason game? <laughs> uh, a long time ago. That was, of course, when he was the starter for the Minnesota Vikings 
Uh, they need to get him on the field and see what he can do because he's not guaranteed anything. Uh, you know, with the with the veteran minimum, uh, uh, they can cut him right before the season. If they if they keep him, they have to pay him because he's a vested veteran. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Obviously, uh, Rob Kelly's in the mix too, and I don't think um, Perrine probably is not going to play this week. They need to get him healthy for the start of the season, and who knows when we're going to see Chris Thompson. I think that's going to be week one, hopefully, unless he goes on the pup. So um, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm wary of the whole situation, and frankly, I probably end up uh, avoiding it altogether and let somebody else worry about grabbing one, two, or all three uh, Redskin running backs right now. It's a big mess. Um, a couple other notes here before we get to injuries. The Saints have released veteran running back Terrence West. Might be his last chance to uh, catch on with the team. Uh, looks like Jonathan Williams is probably going to end up being the replacement short-term for Mark Ingram in that system. Um, Chris, what do you think of Jonathan Williams? Is there any kind of value to drafting him? Well, for drafting him, probably not because he's the kind of guy who will still be on the free agent wire at the end of your draft. If you really want to pick him up. Um, and I think you hit him the keyword. It's short term. Mark Ingram is going to just displace him in a heartbeat as soon as he gets back. So the, the really the, the value here for Jonathan Williams might be as a ridiculously cheap DFS play, especially in scoring heavy systems uh, for those first four weeks. But I, I can't see spending a draft pick, even a last round draft pick on him. I just don't think he's going to have that big of an impact. Okay. Uh, moving on over to Kansas City, uh, they just released Shark Hendrick West, who's been uh, trying to recover from a concussion, another one, uh, in the uh, preseason here. Uh, and it looks like Spencer Ware has done enough to become the primary backup there. They've got some other guys on the, on the unit that have stepped up, including an undrafted rookie who also escapes my name right now. But uh, it looks like Shark Hendrick West is done in Kansas City, so you can take him off to your list there. Um, Something else I want to talk about and get your opinion here. Josh Gordon is returned now to the Cleveland Browns. He returned a day or so after they had a meeting with Des Bryant that didn't go exactly as planned. Uh, doesn't look like the Browns are going to be signing Des Bryant and Josh Gordon now is kind of in a holding pattern. He can play, he can be with the team, sit through the meetings, but uh, you know he's on that uh, on that specific plan with the league and he's not yet able able to practice. Although they hope to get him back to practice soon, he's not going to play this week. They hope that they can get him on the field for Week One. Um, how does this affect uh, how you view uh, Josh Gordon um, this summer, uh, Chris? I, well, I'm, I've been as high on him as anybody this summer, as as you know. And but I'm I, I do think it gives me a little bit of pause. You know, maybe since I was already drafting him a round or so ahead of everyone else, maybe I don't have to because I think this is going to scare off enough other people, and, and maybe it should, um, from drafting him as a as a solid wide receiver too with, with one upside. I think you almost have to play it safe and draft him as, as a three and hope you get wide receiver two or one upside. Uh, it I, I just merits caution now, especially with the league being involved in having a say, which was not entirely clear early in the whole process. So it's, it's given me pause. I have to admit. Yeah, I agree with you there. I probably would not draft him as anything other than a three right now, but he's got that one borderline one upside. Anyway, uh, a couple of the notes or kicking notes. Uh, the Vikings as expected. Uh, we all knew this because we uh, talked to John Holler, our number one guy in, in Minnesota. Uh, Kai Forbath, the veteran kicker, was released. They're going to be going with Daniel Carson as his kicker. And then uh, Forbath's already drawn some interest from the Jets. So he's got to work out there today. Uh, they also, the Jets claimed uh, uh, Jason Myers off waivers from the Seattle uh Seahawks, who are now going with Seabass Janikowski as their kicker, and it looks like Jason Meyer may uh, may end up competing with uh, possibly Kai Forbath or the other uh, inexperienced kicker uh, there in New York, and another guy whose name I'm just not. <laughs> There's so 
many names. Anyway, it uh, looks like Jason Meyer might have the early edge there, but uh, in my opinion, you don't draft a Jets kicker right now. Uh, Cairo Santos, by the way, has been cut, so he's gone. Uh, so uh, they've, got to, they've got their work cut out for them for the next two games to see who's going to end up kicking probably Jason Myers this week in the game. And if he, uh, if he makes his kicks, he might end up being their kicker. Anyway, let's get right to the injuries uh, news here. And quarterback Carson Wentz with a knee, of course, won't play in the preseason, but he is uh, a source to say on track to play week one. He's, he's being a little bit more conservative, not quite sure. Uh, it looks like he's going to play in week one. So, it, obviously, if you draft Carson Wentz, you want to draft another uh, good backup like uh, Big Ben, Roethlisberger, or somebody like that. So you might be able to uh, pl- plug him in if Wentz doesn't play in week one. A.J. McCarron, uh, they thought he broke his uh, collarbone with a higher hairline fracture. Apparently it's not. He's already returned to a limited practice, but – Looks like Josh Allen might be the starter there for week one. It might be um, a fairly long year for Buffalo fans. Moving on over to running back, Saquon Barkley, a rookie running back for my Giants. Hamstring injury day-to-day limited, actually return limited. Uh, uh, went a walkthrough here Wednesday, so they're being very cautious, as they should be, and he's probably not going to play um, any anymore until week one. Jarek McKinnon with upright calf strain. He's going to be reevaluated again later this week. Uh, looks like he might be on track for week one. Matt Brida, same thing in San Francisco, out with a shoulder until week one. Uh, J.A.J. sent out a couple of practices earlier this week um, with an undisclosed injury in Philadelphia, but there hadn't really been talk about him uh, being a, a major issue. So uh, he looks good to go. Uh, we'll see what he does later this week. Isaiah Crowell with a Jets concussion returned to practice this week. He looks good there. Rashard Penny with a finger in Seattle. He's, they still say he's going to be ready for week one. By the way, he's put on some weight, uh, about 10, 15 pounds, I guess, not, not uh, practicing there. Um, There's just something to keep an eye on. Chris Carson is a solid starter now, but Penny will play. J.D. McKissick, the other uh, backup uh, pass-catching uh, back to uh, C.J. Proceis, he uh, is expected to miss uh, four to six weeks with a foot, a Jones fracture in his foot. Not good there. Jamal Williams got some good news there for the ankle in Green Bay. He returned to practice on Tuesday. Looks like he's ready for the RBBC. That's invariably going to take place there in Green Bay. Uh, DeAndre Washington with a knee injury has not been practicing for the Raiders. He might be the odd man looking out, uh, especially if Chris Warren has another big game this week. Um, everyone else is practicing and playing at, at the running back position, so he might end up being cut. Uh, maybe the Redskins might be eyeing him uh, you know, if he returns and does something. Austin Eckler, uh, backup running back for uh, the Chargers. His calf injury returned to practice on Tuesday. It looked good there. In Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown with the claw still day-to-day. Doesn't look like a major thing. Doug Baldwin out all preseason with that uh, knee soreness. To Carroll, uh, uh, he, uh, Pete Carroll, the head coach, said once again they expect him to play week one for sure. Alshon Jeffrey with the shoulder. He ran on the side earlier this week. Um, thinking about whether they're going to put him on, keep him on a pup or not, but I think he's going to be taken off. We will see. Jameson Crowder, undisclosed injury. They're just being very cautious with their number one guy in Washington. Um, he could play this week, although I won't be surprised if he doesn't. Devonta Parker down in Miami with a finger. He's week-to-week uncertain to play week one. Uh, he is slipping big time in our rankings uh, for fantasy, um, not targeting, not taking him anywhere pretty much. Rashard Matthews still undisclosed injury on the pup. He's still practicing. Interesting, uh, he negotiated a uh, extension, a one-year extension through next year for himself, uh, seven and a half million dollar contract, but it's not guaranteed. So I'm not sure what's uh, 
what's going to happen there. But I know that probably if he doesn't uh, play and produce this year, he's probably going to end up getting cut. Tyrell Williams with a foot injury doesn't seem like it's very much of a big thing in in uh, Los Angeles uh, with the Chargers taking it easy on him. A couple of tiny notes: Vance McDonald with a foot still not practicing in Pittsburgh, not looking good there. And Adam Shaheen in uh, in Chicago's got an ankle injury; he's out indefinitely. So you definitely um, don't want to be drafting him as your number one. Um, He's not even in our rankings here. Trey Burton is the guy there. He had a big week in preseason last week. Anyway, uh, we want to make sure that everyone checks out our website, and we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim redrafter, dynasty, keeper, auction, salary cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay. Uh, obviously, we want uh, everyone to not only check out ffmastermind.com, but uh, I play in one fantasy uh, high-stakes event each year, and it's the Fantasy Football Players Championship. You can check out their website at myffpc.com. I've won over 21000 in the last four years playing this event. I've played it every year for uh, 10 years in a row. This is going to be my 11th year in a row. They pay out on time very quickly. If you win your league, you'll get your money before the end of the year. If you win the big event, boy, you're talking 250000 and a nice uh, crystal trophy. Uh, the guys, uh, David Gerzak and uh, Alex uh, Kagnowski, are, are real stand-up guys. I was on their podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what was it last week? Anyway, a lot of, uh, I had a good time there talking about FFPC strategies and such. So, anyway, uh, please check out our website for our NFL Quick Bits updated on, on a daily basis. Our free agent tracker and player movement trackers have been updated, of course. We're also pumping out the free Eye in the Sky scanning reports, including those from Chris Rito on the Colts. Our Masters list, customizable cheat sheet, our MCP board, and our Executive Draft Master have all been updated for, I think, the 11th or 12th time this summer. Version 5 of the preseason draft guide has been released, 543 pages. The guide is 1895. Several new articles uh, are still to be added, including players in their contract year. We've just released four perfect drafts. Uh, and also a special article from Eddie Rex, our humorous guy, but also a very astute fantasy sleeper guy. His article is called Sleepers, Heavy Sleepers, and Catatonics. So this is something that the uh, the insiders uh, have read, and they've uh, they just run it. They're just googling all over about it. But anyway, our uh, premium summer race for our Pro Bowl package, which is our guide and all the updates and rankings and the newsletters, is forty seven ninety five. If you add our drafting software, the Executive Draft Master, it's the Super Bowl package fifty seven ninety five. Please follow me on Twitter at ff mastermind. And of course, now let's get to the top ten fantasy tight ends for Chris and myself in PPR leagues. Chris, what are your top three and why? My top guy is actually Travis Kelsey. Uh, it's not Rob Gronkowski like most people say. He's been the top guy the last two years in catches and yards. What has he got to do to get some respect? You know, the centerpiece of the passing game there in KC, still the best option and more of a red zone threat as of last year. So Andy Reid wants to use him even more, he says. So he's also not missed a game for injury in the last four years of his career, not since his rookie year was lost to injury. So I like if you're going to spend the top pick on a tight end, I like a guy that's going to be there 
every week for you. And that's why Rob Gronkowski is second in my list. Yeah, he can push you over the top any week, but he can also cripple you with a second-round pick to get him if he misses a third of the season. So, I mean, he hasn't played 16 games in seven years. And he's coming off an offseason. He thought about retirement, and the Patriots tried to trade him. Don't underestimate this in his mind. Um, he had to be Gronk every week to merit his ADP, and I just don't think that makes him as valuable, in my opinion. And the third guy on my list is Zach Ertz. Um, the only criticism for him for years has been the lack of touchdowns, but his red zone usage has been amongst the highest in the NFL the last few years. And if he just converts a few of those like he did last year with eight touchdowns, he'll be a fantasy star. Third in yards, targets, receptions, and points per game each of the last two years puts him third on my list. Okay. Well, my top five, start with your number three, Zach Ertz. I think he's the top guy in my opinion. I, I know that he uh, missed a game or two last year, but I'm not really concerned about that. Uh, the guy has obviously picked up his red zone usage, and he's just a beast in terms of the number of catches he has. I have him down almost 90 catches, almost 1,000 yards and nine scores. Rob Gronkowski, my number two guy, but like you said, I'm probably not going to be the guy drafting him in a lot of leagues this summer because in most 12-man leagues he's going late first round, early second. That's just too high, in my opinion, even in the FFPC. 70-plus uh, catches over 1,000 yards, only eight scores. But, you know, still, he's behind Ertz, uh, mostly because of that injury concern. And number three, right behind Gronk, is Travis Kelty. I've got him down 76 catches, uh, 1,020 yards, eight scores. Um, yeah, if Patrick Mahomes really gets into gear and all, I think uh, he could probably surpass Gronk. Might even challenge Ertz up there at the top. But the bottom line is these top three are clearly the top three at the tight end position, whether you're in non-PPR or PPR. My number four guys might be a surprise to people, but it's old guy uh, Greg Olson. Uh, people forget how, how uh, good he was. He doesn't score very much, but he catches a lot of passes. I've got him almost 80 yards, uh, over 1,000 yards, and only four scores, and yet he's still number four on this list in PPR, not not as valuable in, P, in non-PPR. But uh, he's healthy. He's uh, clicking again with uh, Cam Newton there in Carolina, and uh, the best thing is that he's sliding in a lot of drafts. Number five guy is Emin Ingram. I'm going to talk more about him a little bit later. Um, I just feel he's a little bit overrated. Uh, obviously, uh, he, he is a, a talent, and I've got him in my top five. I just don't think he's going to produce uh, anything, anything close to some of those games that he had last year, mostly because OBJ is healthy, um, and they've got other options like Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield there. So I still like him. I just don't love him, and I'm seeing him drafted as even number two, number three, number four, tight end off the board, and that's just crazy in my opinion. Or what about uh, your next uh, four and five, Chris? My number four guy is a guy I know you're not real high, and it's Jimmy Graham. I mean, what some called the down year last year, he still scored 10 touchdowns despite having fewer targets than usual. He's a real solid contributor, a decent volume guy, and now he's in an offense and with a quarterback that will need him, especially in the red zone. In fact, I think in non-PPR leagues, he might even move ahead of Ertz because of his red zone usage. And my number five is Greg Olson. Like you said, he's, he's an underappreciated uh, commodity this year. He's the only guy even close to Gronk with points per game consistency for the last five years. Remember, he had three straight 1,000-yard years until last year, and he hadn't missed a game since his rookie year in 2007 until last year. So he also just has a little bit higher chance of a drop-off because of age and because of some other targets that are now there in Carolina that weren't there two years ago. So I'm going to move him down to fifth. Um, he's real close to the sixth spot. But I, I do like him, again, as, a, as an underappreciated value in your draft. Yeah, I think a lot of people are sleeping on, on Mr. Olson and they're going to regret it. But my number six guy is uh, Delaney Walker, Tennessee. Mr. Consistent now is Mr. Overlooked. Uh, I still like him. Uh, he gets a lot of uh, targets. Uh, he plays through injury. Uh, Marcus Mariota loves him. He's going to lean on him when he can't get to Corey Davis and the other guys there. 
I think 70-plus catches, 800 yards, six scores there. That's solidly in the top ten and number six. Number seven right behind him is Kyle Rudolph. Uh, a little bit less catches, a little bit less yardage, about the same scores. Um, we'll see with Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins loves his tight ends, uh, Jordan Reed and such in Washington. I think he'll end up developing something nicely with Rudolph there, but I think the tiebreaker between Rudolph and Walker is the familiarity that Marcus Marietta has with Walker, and we'll see. Number eight in my book is, uh, is a, a high-risk, high-reward guy, Jordan Reed, Washington. Guy can't stay healthy, but he is healthy now. He's just working on his conditioning. He's practicing every day and, and um, with, the, with the team. They're holding him out, keep making sure he's healthy. A 60 catch, 60 plus catches, 660 and six. A lot of sixes, and still worth the top 10 uh, uh, pick. Obviously, at the tight end position, if you draft, if you wait on the other seven that are gone, you wait a little bit longer than you grab Jordan Reed, and then later you get Vernon Davis and maybe a sleeper like a Ben Watson, who I think we're going to be talking about very shortly here. That's the strategy here. What about the rest of your top 10 guys? Uh, my sixth and seventh guys are the same as yours, just in the other order. On number six, I've got Kyle Rudolph. He's been in the top five in yards, receptions, points per game, and targets, and first in touchdowns amongst tight ends the last two years. And, again, he's been a little bit overlooked. Now he actually has a quarterback that likes the tight end a lot, so I actually think he's got a little higher upside than my number seven guy, which is Delaney Walker. Again, you said it. He's very consistent. He's an underrated PPR guy for years. He may have a little more competition for catches with Corey Davis and Deion Lewis, and I think as a result his upside is capped, which is why if I'm going to take these two guys that are about the same, I might go for Kyle Rudolph with a little higher upside, uh, in my opinion. My number eight guy is David Njoku. He's a physical freak. He's still learning the game, but he seems to have the full confidence of both Tyrod Taylor and, and Baker Mayfield, especially in the red zone. And I think having the two valid wide receiver threats outside and a, and a stable of good running backs might open that seam route for him a lot as well. I think he's got great upside here, and much like some of these other tight ends, better value in scoring heavy or non-PPR leagues. My number nine is Ben Watson. I know we're going to talk more about him later, but you know most people don't realize he was top ten in catches and PPR points last year at tight end despite playing for a terrible offense and coming off a torn Achilles at age 36. This can only heal better with another year, and he gets another return to New Orleans and Drew Brees. So I like Ben Watson actually to be a guy that will finish top 10, but you don't have to draft there. And then my number 10 guy is Evan Ingram. And honestly, if, if Jordan Reed or Tyler Eifert could stay healthy, Evan Ingram wouldn't sniff this list. But uh, the lack of quality depth at the position and the likelihood of his maturity as a player in the second year gives him some upside as well. That allows him to slide into the 10th spot on my list. And yeah, we got a lot of changes here, <laughs> talking about different guys. My number nine guy is actually currently injured right now, but hopefully he'll be ready for week uh, week one. It's George Kittle in San Francisco. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo really likes the the, the young guy. Uh, I I think he's going to catch 60 passes over 700 yards and four scores. That doesn't sound like much, but it does make the top ten list here. Uh, is my number nine guy in San Francisco and number ten Jimmy Graham. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Jimmy uh, Graham, especially in the red zone. I don't quite see 10 touchdowns this week, this year. I've, I see eight. The issue is I don't think he's got the speed and the moves uh, left in his system to uh, be effective between the 20s. So I've got him a little bit less than 50 catches, 570 yards. Eight scores still put him in the top ten. Uh, you know, the, the issue with my, uh, my uh, drafting of Jimmy Graham is that he's being drafted as a number four, number five uh, tight end, and I just don't see the value there. I think that's just reaching a little bit and uh, playing off his name and the fact that Aaron Rodgers is throwing to him, but he's still in my top ten. Okay, let's get to the sleepers, overrated and underrated guys at the tight end position. A couple of good names for people to keep your eye on and to possibly target late in your draft. Uh, or avoid altogether. Chris, give me a couple of sleepers that you like this year. 
Uh, I'll give you a couple of really deep sleepers. Two guys generally going undrafted, but I think will definitely be rosterable as at least good tight end number twos. One is Ricky Seals-Jones of Arizona. He's a converted wide receiver on a wide receiver starved team, and he was efficiently good in very limited touches, about 17 yards per catch last year. Um, offensive coordinator Mike McCoy loves using the tight end. He's made some star, fantasy stars there, and he says he wants to design more plays for, for Seals-Jones. Bradford also likes to work the middle, and Ricky Seals-Jones does that well. Another guy is Luke Wilson, the former backup in Seattle, goes now to a Lions team that lost both tight ends, uh, Daniel Fells and Eric Ebron, and it's a position that caught seven touchdowns last year and had 120 targets for, for Detroit. He's way more sure-handed than Ebron, so he's likely to get trusted a little more in the red zone. I think at best he's a red zone target and a low-end tight end one, but is a certainly capable tight end two. Okay, a couple of sleepers that are more well-known, in my opinion, and one of these is in your top ten, David Njoku. Uh, he flashed, of course, in the preseason, catch two touchdowns in week one. Um, they're going to need his presence there in the passing game. Josh Gordon coming off the suspension of the the, uh, the concern over South, of course. Uh, and then Jarvis Landry's there, but they don't have much beyond that. They traded Corey Col- uh, Coleman there. But is working well uh, with Tyrod Taylor, who's always favored the tight end, especially uh, with Charles Clay in Buffalo. So that could be a very good hookup if you uh, don't get one of the top eight or nine tight ends on our list. Then you can uh, quickly grab Njoku there and be solid. Uh, another guy, Trey Burton, who had not done much in the preseason until this past week when he played a lot of the game, uh, catching, uh, I think, four passes and scoring uh, for the Bears uh, from uh, Mitchell Trubinsky. So um, I really like him as a mid-round uh, sleeper guy to target if you, once again, don't get a top ten guy. Um, I've currently got him uh, ranked at number 14 on my list, so it's not bad, especially if you're like in a 14-plus team league and you want to wait on tight end. Trey Burton's a pretty good starter to draft. Okay, a couple of overrated guys, uh, in your opinion, at the tight end position, Chris. Uh, overrated guys. The first one I'll mention is Evan Ingram. Like I said, he, he as his volume as a rookie surprised everyone. You kind of mentioned this. I don't think it's sustainable with OBJ and Shepard back on the field, plus Barkley there. I mean, he played 11 games without OBJ and four without both of those receivers. So I just can't see him getting a top target like he did last year. He's going to be okay. He's just not worth his ADP at, as tight end number four or five in the fifth round. And another guy that I'm, I'm really concerned about being overrated is Jack Doyle. He's been a PPR darling again the last couple of years, but like Ingram, his PPR usage was heavily dependent on the lack of other options and a green quarterback last year. He was a blocker for three seasons because he's better at it than in creating space. So I suspect he drops off this year. I think he's value, got great value NFL-wise, but I bet Ebron outscores him if they're both healthy this year. Okay. A couple overrated guys, in my opinion. Uh, it gives me no surprise because I lowered him in my rankings a little bit compared to yours. Jimmy Graham, uh, for the same reasons that uh, I have him lowered in my rankings. I just think he's going to have a struggle with separation there uh, in between the 20s. He is going to be a good red zone target, so I think he's going to catch you know eight touchdowns or so. Uh, the other thing is that the Packers also have Lance Kendricks on their team. Um, do you remember the other tight end, Chris, that, that the Packers have? They have somebody else. Uh Gosh, I should remember now. I can't remember. Yeah, I know. No, but it's, <laughs> have it's a brain fart moment. There's somebody else there uh, that's a veteran. Oh, was it Mercedes Lewis? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, both these guys caught passes in a preseason game last week, and uh, of course Lance Kendrick and, and, uh, has, is he has younger legs than uh, than Jimmy Graham, so I think that that's going to uh, eat into a little bit of Jimmy's uh, uh, targets there. And the other uh, tight end that I'm not uh, 
targeting at all, really, this year, and I think he's overrated because I am seeing him drafted a little bit later in the draft around the 10, 12, 13, 14 round area and all. It's Charles Clay. Uh, you know, he's got, already got the bum knees. He's, he has to take off practices and all, and he was a great matchup, you know, along with Tyrod Taylor, but uh, Tyrod Taylor's not there in Buffalo anymore. It's Josh Allen, uh, A.J. McCarron, and Nathan Peterman. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay. Uh, well, they're going to struggle, and I don't think Charles Clay is going to be seeing nearly the amount of quality targets. Uh, he might get a lot of targets, but I'm not sure that he's going to produce anywhere close to what he did. And, of course, he's always an injury risk there, so those are two guys I'm not crazy about in the overrated category. Uh, let's move to the underrated category, Chris. Give me a couple of tight ends you're, uh, you think are underrated in fantasy drafts this summer. Well, I mentioned Ben Watson earlier. He's a big one that comes to mind. I mean, he's consistently going outside the top overall 200 and the top 25 tight ends. But I, I think he's great to draft as a backup, and he might get low-end number one production. He was in the top eight in all tight end receiving categories in 2015 with his last year with New Orleans. Missed a year for the injury. Came back last year and was still top ten in all the categories with that terrible team. He's a great bargain late in drafts if you miss out. And the other guy I mentioned earlier when I talked about Doyle is Eric Ebron. Most people don't realize he had nearly identical stats to Jason Witten and Hunter Henry last year, who were every week starters in a lot of leagues, and yet he gets criticized. He's also finished in the top 12 three straight years at tight end. That's a starter in my book. So I think going to Indianapolis is a blessing. The offense is going to feature him more than most people think because it's dependent on the mismatches that the two tight ends create. So I really think Eric Ebron is thoroughly underappreciated for what he could do this year in this offense. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. A couple of guys that I'm keeping my eye on real late in drafts because you can get them late, uh, but there are issues here, but they have uh, some high upside. Austin Safarian Jenkins renewed his career as a Jet last year. Unfortunately, the Jets didn't renew his contract, but he now uh, went on over to Jacksonville. He's going to be the starter in Jacksonville, and the Blake Bortles there uh, can be serviceable to the tight end there. Uh, and then the other guy is uh, Tyler Eifert. Uh, it's interesting. I had him on my creeper list uh, when the summer began, and then he stayed healthy. He hasn't been playing. They've been holding him out. He's been practicing mostly limited, but they're limiting his reps. But the bottom line is that he does have some high upside there. And this is late August now, and he is still healthy. You can draft him as your backup tight end at the near the end of your draft. I don't know, 15, 16, 17 rounds, somewhere around there. Um, and you get some high upside. And, it, and if he craps out again and gets injured again, you just cut him, and you don't worry about it. So anyway, that wraps up our tight end show. Uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we discuss fantasy sleepers and creepers. That's probably one of the most popular shows that we do every summer. We're looking forward to it. So goodbye, good night, and good luck to everyone drafting this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarek, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.